Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023. It is currently 1020 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's time to have a little checkup. We're going to check up with one another, right? We're going to do a checkup. I'm going to check up on you. You can check up on me. How are you doing in your study of the book of Jeremiah? Should we call it a check-in or a checkup? We're going to call it a checkup, right? Like when your doctor calls you and goes, hey, it's time for your annual checkup. We need you to come in. When they're going to check and see how you're doing. Well, how are you doing in your study of the book of Jeremiah? Are you learning a lot? Are you advancing? Are you struggling? Are you falling behind? How are you doing in your study of the book of Jeremiah? Now, before we get to you, before we get to you, we find out how you're doing. Let's start with me. (laughs) Let's start with my study of the book of Jeremiah. At this very moment, I'm not doing very well. At this moment, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have um, been frustrated, irritated, distracted, discouraged, depressed, and want to give up because everything has gone very, very wrong for me in the study of the book of Jeremiah. And that's very unfortunate, right? It's very unfortunate that I've allowed circumstances and things not going right to really impact my study of the book of Jeremiah. At the beginning of it, I was excited. It was it was fun. There was, you know, you could say there was joy in it. There was a spiritual benefit happening. And now at this point, there's a part of me that just says, you know what? Just, (laughs) I give up. You know what? Let's just, hey, hey, guys, let's just delete all of the episodes on the book of Jeremiah. Let's just forget it. But that's, that's on me because I've allowed circumstances to get in the way of my study of God's word. But I can't be, you know, if we're going to do a checkup and we're going to check up on you and we're going to do a checkup on me, I think, let's be honest, right? Come on. Does that ever happen to you? Where circumstances and things get in, uh, impact the way you're studying God's word or impact your, it can impact everything from going to church, worship, prayer, uh, anything. And so this is one of those situations where it's happened to me. So hopefully you can learn from me. Let me explain everything that has occurred, all right? And I'll do this quickly so that we can get to, well, to your checkup, all right? Are you ready? Here we go. Obviously, trying to work through the entire book of Jeremiah in a three-month period is a big undertaking, right? Because, you know, if we were going to do this like in a verse-by-verse way, going through the book of Jeremiah would literally take years. It would take years. But there's a part of me that believes that approach to the book of Jeremiah would be more... I think more damaging than helpful. I, and I know that goes against my typical way of thinking, but the book of Jeremiah, there's so many issues with it and problems and no, it's not in chronological order. And there's all these different genres of literature in it. And, and there's just so much to try to figure out. If you're going verse by verse, I think you'll get, you'll get lost. You know, you'll get lost in the forest, right? You won't see the forest anymore. You'll be so into the trees and in the middle of it that you won't be able to see the big picture because you'll be like trying to work out this detail and this detail and this detail. And when it's over, I don't know if you'll actually grasp the book of Jeremiah. So to do it in a, a shorter time span, more condensed, forces us, forces me to try to look at the big picture. But at the same time, trying to condense it in a three-month period so that you can get the big picture, I have to make very tough decisions and say, what do I cover here? What do we cover here? What do we skip? And I don't, I'm, at, at this point, I've, I don't want to skip anything, especially in the, in the early chapters of the book, which I think establishes so much. It, it establishes kind of like, where we are in, in the book, what is going on. I think it begins to establish some hermeneutical principles. So I'm really, really, really trying to dig in at the very beginning so that you see some of these, some, and it also shows you some of the problems you're going to encounter throughout the entire book. So I have to, you know, the more like at the beginning 
the more detail, the more time we spend at the beginning, it's going to become very difficult now choosing, wait, do we skip those four chapters? Do we skip the, like, how are we going to make this through it? I, and I understand that problem is on me, right? That's why we're dealing with my checkup, right? So I, so already that becomes a little like a lot of pressure and a lot of frustration trying to figure out exactly the best way to do that. Because obviously when I sit down in front of this microphone or stand behind the pulpit, I'm trying to benefit you. I'm trying, I'm trying to put this together for your benefit, right? Because I could just say, forget the podcast, forget this at church. And I could just study the book of Jeremiah on my own and do it any way that I want. But I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to benefit you, the listener. But that impacts my study of the book, right? If I'm studying the book on my own, I don't have to worry about any of that. But if the minute you start worrying about other people, then you all of these issues come into play. Well, how fast? How slow? What do we cover? What do we not cover? I wonder if people are going to get this. Wait, that could be bad if I skip that. And so I have all of these additional things to consider. Not complaining, but it begins to impact my my study. So I think we've done a very good job. I think we did a... When I say we, I mean, you're just as much a part of this as I am. I think we advanced, we were covering, we were doing a very good job. I think I think we did a good overview, the biographical part. I think we started introducing some of the, 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 the problems and difficulties with the book. I think we started looking at some very important things in chapter one and chapter two. I think I think we were really doing a very good job. And then Sunday occurred. And I, I don't know why I did. I still think I made the right decision, but I should have realized the, the impact it was going to have. What I needed to do was to walk into church on Sunday, stand behind the pulpit and say, Hey guys, Hey guys, we're going to advance this. So we're going to, we're going to really focus in on chapter three, maybe in Sunday school, maybe a little bit of chapter two and chapter three in Sunday school. Then Sunday morning, really try to do kind of an overview of at least possible chapter four and five, and then maybe come back Sunday night and do maybe chapter six, maybe even introduce chapter seven, right? And I needed to be very disciplined, very focused, and try to determine how to give people the overview of these chapters, keeping in mind the overall picture and theme and concepts of the book. I thought I had a good plan. And then I, 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 I mentioned this, I, I think already, but I, it was around, I don't know, four in the morning, three in the morning. I woke up and I'm like, I got an idea. Let's change everything. I, I'm going to change my entire sermon. So I came up with the idea, went back, got a little sleep, woke up. I kind of figured it all out. Boom. Went to church, walked into the pulpit and said, Hey guys, we're back in the book of Jeremiah, but we're not going to actually advance the study. Because in my mind, here's what I was thinking. If you have been a part of the study of the book of Jeremiah up to this point, and you have been reading the book of Jeremiah as you've been assigned to do, and you've been working through the chapters you've been given and been reading, you probably were very aware at that moment, wow, the book of Jeremiah uses lots of different language here that can be very difficult to understand. It uses a lot of figurative language. It uses a lot of language that could be uh, hard to understand. So then I decided, hey, let's spend Sunday school going over all the different types of figurative language in the book of Jeremiah. Let's look at the different types of, of, let's look at some, some basic things you need to consider when dealing with figurative language. And then let's look at all of the types. And we went through all the different types from a simile to a metaphor to a, to a, um, parable to a personification to a maxim to an idiom. All of the different, we went through all of the, the figure, the different types of figures of speech, all the different figures of speech in the book of Jeremiah. We went through every different kind and tried to understand it and even looked at biblical examples of it. So I, I, so, but I thought I, I, in my mind, I was going to finish that the first hour. And then the second hour, I could finish chapter two and three, come back Sunday night, then possibly work out four, five, and six. Well, if you listened on Sunday, 
you'll notice that the first hour ended and we were not done looking at the different types of figure, uh, the different types of figures of speech, the different types of figurative language used in the book of Jeremiah. We were nowhere, we didn't come anywhere close to finishing it. So I had to use all of the second hour. So now there's two hours of teaching and we didn't even advance the study. Now, I still think it was important because everyone needs to know the different types of figures of speech uh, in the book of Jeremiah. You need to understand that. You need to be able to observe and identify those figures of speech. You need to be able to see that. It's it's like critical. So I think it was a very good thing to do. But then, then I was like, oh, man, we're so far behind now. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I know what I'll do. Sunday night. I know that I can get the rest of two and all of three done Sunday. And I know maybe I can possibly even introduce four. So I think I can, I think I can make some, I can make up some loss. I can make up for lost ground on Sunday night. At least I was thinking I could, right? So I got everything packed. Everything was in the car. My iPad was charging. I was running just a little late getting to church because typically I would have already left. And so I go and pick up my iPad and I see a text like, Hey, don't know if I'm going to be able to come to church. You got to, we got a storm moving in. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I realize, Oh man, we got a severe storm moving in. Now different people are not coming to church. Oh no. Okay. I got to start contacting people. Wait, what are we going to do? And then I have to make a decision. Okay. We're not going to have church. Okay. Oh no. The whole, and I'm like, okay, now what I'm going to do now, now that's going to waste that hour of teaching. Maybe I could go live and just teach from the house and try to at least cover parts of Jeremiah. But wait, how is that going to work? Because then Wednesday night, like, I don't, oh, that's going to mess it up. Okay, how do I, and next thing you know, it did not matter. <laughs> because um, that storm hit. And when it hit, it was crazy. Two hours, massive hell storm, more, I mean, who knows how much more damage is done to the roof. We're still, we're still waiting to get the roof repaired from the previous hell storm. It was just insane. So then two hours are gone. And, and then it's like, now it's like 7.30, 7.40. And then I'm like, what do I do now? What do I do now? You see, if I do, if I start working on this and podcast, then I got to switch back to it at church. But I don't, oh, that's going to kind of break it up. Then I just kind of get frustrated. And then one hour turns into another hour, turns into another hour, turns into another hour. And then nothing gets accomplished on Sunday. And I'm like, now we're way behind. So here we are now on Tuesday. And we've got to get this all back on track. We got we to gotta try to do this to the best of our ability. Well, when I say us, I've got to get it back on track, but I need your help so that we don't, we can save the study of the book of Jeremiah. Not that we're, that anything major has happened, but at that point, I was just so frustrated going, why did I do that Sunday morning? I had two hours just handed to me on a silver platter and I decide not to advance the study, but to look at the different types of of figures of speech. Why would I do that? But I still think it was the best decision. So here is the goal. In this episode, I'm going to try to kind of give us where we are. I'm going to try to give you some assignments. I'm going to try to tell you where we need to be. I'm going to try to figure out how we're going to proceed. And hopefully you will not allow any of that to get in your way so that you can get the most out of the book of Jeremiah. All right. Does, does that make sense? All right. So hopefully it will all work out for you and for me and we can get the most out of it. The lesson I want you to learn from this is that anytime you're studying God's word, anytime, any, any, any desire to spend a set amount of time studying God's word in a disciplined, systematic way, it's going to require you not to allow when things go wrong to derail that, right? You can't, uh, You. it's like one of those things in life that no matter what happens, I'm going to spend time in God's word. But to study God's word, you. I think you know this, when things go wrong and really get you frustrated or irritated, it's hard to be in the right state of mind to say, 
now I'm going to open up my Bible. So by the time yesterday got here, I was extremely frustrated. Then yesterday I did a live broadcast. Everything went wrong on that live broadcast and had to delete it. I'm not going to go back through that entire episode. So I, I've been, I, I haven't, look, it's Tuesday. I'm just going to be honest with you. I haven't done any major work in the book of Jeremiah. Now, I know you're, I, I know that's not, I'm not seeing that for you to go, oh, I'm, I'm saying that for you to go, well, yeah, been there, done that myself. Because isn't it amazing how circumstances impacts this? And I'm holding up the Bible. Isn't it amazing how, like, when, and sometimes when things are not going right in life, we need God's word even more. But you don't feel like it. You don't feel like it. Isn't it amazing how when you don't feel like it, we toss God's word aside and, well, we, we need to get that back. So that's, that's where I am in my checkup. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I've been so frustrated and so bothered by, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to, I've been so preoccupied and pressured by the responsibility that it actually has distracted me from the actual study of God's word. That, that's always the danger for those in ministry. The responsibility sometimes takes over. It takes precedent to the actual enjoyment and spiritual benefit of feeding upon the word of God. Now, there's times the responsibility to do so, you know, does not hurt in any way, shape or form. And it can, you know, it keeps you in the word of God. But there are times where the responsibility to try to preach and teach and organize it and make sure people are getting everything that you think they need to get, trying to make sure everyone else has help, helped that you ultimately hurt yourself because, because God's word becomes a responsibility in which you are to then fulfill that responsibility versus a treasure, a mill in which you can enjoy. You don't ever want God's word to become such a responsibility that it stops being the treasure. It stops being a mill that you can enjoy. It, it, you, you want it to always remain this wonderful thing, not this burdensome thing. But sometimes in preaching and teaching, it becomes the burden. And so Jeremiah switched from, man, this is awesome. I'm being convicted to, Okay, now what do I do? Okay, oh man, now this went wrong. Okay, now what do I do? Oh man, now this went wrong. Now what do I, oh man, now what? Okay, forget it. Like that, that, you see how that can, can, can be a negative thing. So hopefully that will be beneficial to you. Now let's do this for our, for our checkup here. For our check in, checkup. Let's do this. First, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up the article. That we used. Hang on. Where is it? Where is it? Give me one second. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. One second. I've saved so many articles in the last few minutes. Or not few minutes. In the last few days. All right. Here we go. There we go. Found it. All right. Got it. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to try to now move forward, get everyone on the same page, and then get us ready, hopefully, if everything goes right, for Wednesday night at Victory Baptist Church so that we can advance it. And then next Sunday is hopefully going to be three hours of just really moving forward and digging in and 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 I'm and I'm still very much ready and willing that if you're if you're in any part of Jeremiah and you have a problem or difficulty or questions you let me know and we'll I don't care we'll stop the entire study to try to help and and deal with those questions or those problems or those issues so please be willing to do that so are you ready let's do this okay Hang on, let me open up. Let me open this up really quick. I'm going to open up my email. All right. I'm going to open up my email and then I'm going to pull up a PDF file and kind of give that of everything that we kind of need to get us on the same page. You ready? Here we go. First and foremost, for your check in, we've looked at my check in, right? 
I've, I've, I've been very open and honest with you with my struggles and my difficulties and, and how the pressure of preaching and teaching has some way taken away from the joy and the spiritual benefit of study. And so I'm going to try to get myself back on track. Now for you, I'm, I'm curious, how are you doing in the book of Jeremiah? How is your study going? Now, remember, one of the major things I've wanted to accomplish in this study of the book of Jeremiah is just not gaining the academic knowledge so that we're all smarter about the book of Jeremiah and trying to answer every difficult question about the book of Jeremiah, because those are many. But I wanted this to be of great spiritual benefit. So this far into the study, have you seen that spiritual benefit? Have you been convicted? Have you been challenged? Has it caused you to look at your own spiritual life? Has it caused you to see where you are spiritually and try to challenge you to do something different and try to, to get back on track where you need to be spiritually? Has it accomplished that in any way, shape, or form? If it hasn't, let me plead and beg with you, please do what is necessary to use, to use the study of the book of Jeremiah to benefit you spiritually, not just intellectually, but spiritually. Please, I, I, I beg of you to do that because if that is not happening, then we are, we are fall, we are failing in the study of the book of Jeremiah. So I would love for you to just take some time, maybe even today, just to say, okay, well, what am I really getting out of this book, spiritually speaking? so far into this study and why am I not getting more out of it spiritually? What What is going wrong? And if you can identify where the issue is, let me know and we'll see if we can address it because we want to make sure that that is occurring. All right. So that's the first thing. I want you to just take some time to consider where, how the book is impacting you spiritually. All right. Next, I need you to read Jeremiah chapter one through 12 by Sunday, June the 18th. I need you to read chapters 1 through 12 by Sunday, June the 18th. What I would like, even if you've read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, is to go back and just read them all one more time, maybe two more times. Jeremiah 1 through 12, please, and some of those chapters you may not have read yet, please read them. And remember, the more you read, the more you see. The more you read, the more you observe. And your observation is key to your interpretation. So read uh, Jeremiah chapters 1 through 12 by Sunday, June the 18th, right? Please do that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, and now you're going to do this for the entire book of Jeremiah, but really, since you're going to be reading chapters 1 through 12, focus on doing just accomplishing 1 through 12. Go through Jeremiah 1 through 12. And I want you to look for the types of figures, uh, the types of figures... The types of figures of speech are the types of figurative language, however you would like to do that, all right? And remember, here are the types of figurative language found in, in, in the Bible itself, but find these in the book of Jeremiah. You ready? All right, I want you to find, uh, okay, remember, first you're going to look, uh, the first type of figurative language is a simile, metaphor, then idiom, euphemism, irony and sarcasm, hyperbole, Maxim, proverb, parable, allegory, personification. Now, we covered this all on Sunday, so you can go back and listen, but simile, metaphor, idiom. So you're going to be reading Jeremiah 1 through 12. You're going to find where all the similes. You're going to find all the similes. Then you're going to find all the metaphors. Then you're going to find all the idioms. Then you're going to find all the euphemisms. Then you're going to find all the irony and sarcasm. Then you're going to find all the hyperbole, maxims, proverbs, parables, allegories, and personification. Now, remember, all you're doing, you're not trying to interpret them. You are just to observe them. You're just to note them. You're just to, you're just to, to find them and just to say, Hey, this is what it is. And you're to just list them out. All right. All I want you to do is to observe them and write them down. That's all I want you to do. I just want you to, I want you to, I, I, I want you to look for the types of figurative language through the book of Jeremiah. I want you to list the references and type of figurative language that is used. All right. I want you to list the references and types of figurative language. So in this, I want you to observe it 
And then I want you to list it. I want you to, to say, okay, these three scriptures, that's an idiom. These three scriptures, that's personification. These three scriptures, that's a simile. These three scriptures, that's a metaphor. You don't have to try to explain anything about the simile, anything about the metaphor, anything about the personification. You're just observing it and listing it. You're just observing it and just writing it down. That's all you're doing. So you, so read Jeremiah 1 through 12 before next Sunday. And then go through and find all of these figure, figurative language, all these different types of figures of speech. Find them all. Write them down, okay? I can go through those one more time just as a reminder. I don't want to spend too much time here. Uh, but here we go, all right? Simile, metaphor, idiom, euphemism, irony and sarcasm, hyperbole, maxim, proverb, parable, allegory, and personification. Now, you may not, some of those you may not find in Jeremiah 1 through 12. Some of those you may like, huh, it could be this. Well, it could be that. Well, I'm not so sure about that. That's okay. Don't get, don't get all worried if you can't figure it out. Just do your best because all I want, I want you to see is, wow, there's a lot of things going on here that can make this a very complicated book to understand and interpret. So the next time I hear some preacher just act, act like that this is so simple, it probably not, it's probably not that simple. Sometimes pastors speak in an authoritative way to give you some sense of certainty when there really shouldn't be any certainty because it's much more complicated than that. And some people just want simple answers. They, they, some people want to sacrifice truth for certainty. And I would rather have truth and uncertainty than, than an untruth and certain. I'd rather have truth and uncertainty than falsehood and certainty. But some people, I think, whatever will give them a sense of certainty and it's simple and there's an easy answer. But there's not sometimes in the book of Jeremiah because you have all of this figurative language going on, this figures of speech happening. So please, that's a very simple, straightforward. You're going to read uh, Jeremiah chapters 1 through 12 by Sunday. And then as you're reading those chapters, and hopefully you're reading them over and over and over, you're going to look for the different types of figurative language throughout the book of Jeremiah. You're going to list the references and the type of figurative language used. You're going to like these four scriptures. Those are metaphors. These four, these are idioms. These four are personifications. These are maxims. These are proverbs. These are parables. These are allegories. Whatever the case may be. Really think about it. Really, really think about it and do the best you can. And you, and, and some of you will be like, well, I just don't know. It's okay. Just guess. Okay. Just guess. It's the exercise here that is beneficial. One, look what you're doing. You're going back through these chapters carefully. That's beneficial. Two, you're at least acknowledging, I don't know what to do with this language. I don't know what this is. That, 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 that should humble you not to be so arrogant and thinking you have it all figured out, which is a major problem within the church. All right? Got that? That's pretty simple. Read chapters one through. So first, I want you to, I want you to take some time to look at your own life and how is, how is the book benefiting you spiritually? Second, I want you to read chapters 1 through 12 of Jeremiah by Sunday. And then as you read those 12 chapters, I want you to look at through those 12 chapters and look for the types of figurative language. And I want you to list the references and the type of figurative language which is being utilized, which is being used. Then, the next thing I want you to do, I want you to look carefully at Jeremiah chapters two through three. See, these are still, this is still within the section that you're going to be reading. And I want you to look at chapters two through three and the illustrations used in those sections to describe Judah slash Israel. All right. Judah slash Israel. And I want you to consider what the illustration is saying and how uh, how could you be described in these ways? So here's what I want you to do in chapters two through three of Jeremiah. There is some, some illustrative, figurative language being utilized. And you're already going to be seeing some of these because you're looking for the figurative language. But I want you on these to really focus in. And I want you to figure out what, what is God trying to say about Judah or Israel based off the language he's using. And then I want you to ask yourself, what could that be saying in regards to you? Let's go through this. The first one is in Jeremiah 
Jeremiah 2:19 where we read these words. Jeremiah chapter 2 of verse 19, all right? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. The first thing he uses this language of a backslider. This figurative language, this illustrative language, he refers to them as backsliders. What does it mean that they're backsliders? How do we understand that? And how does that possibly describe you you and your spiritual life? We've talked a little bit about backsliders, but I want you to look at that language and just spend some time thinking about it. All right. So in this one, I don't want you just to identify what kind of figure, figurative language that could possibly be. I just want you to really dig in. I mean, you can do that. Obviously, you're going to do that as well because you're going through 12 chapters looking for the figurative language. But I want you to notice backsliders. Okay. What does, what is this trying to say? What is this trying to say to them? What is God trying to tell them? And in what ways are you a backslider? In what way were they a backslider? In what way are you a backslider? Right? The second one is in chapter 2, verse 21. Chapter 2, verse 21. Yet I planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? What is he, what is God trying to say to Judah about referring to them as a noble vine or as a vine? What does it mean that they are a vine? What is he trying to say? What does he mean? What does it mean? And how could that possibly relate to you? Now, first and foremost, we want to understand what it means to Judah, but what would it mean to you that God are, is it even applicable to you? If Judah was a noble vine planted, in what ways are we a noble vine planted? And look what happens to that vine. Right? Look at that. It goes from a noble vine to a degenerate, a degenerate plant. In what ways are you a vine? In what ways have you become a degenerate plant? I mean, there's a lot there to, to work on. I want you to really work on that one. The third, so, uh, so the first one is backslide, backsliders, backsliding, backsliders, we'll call it backsliders because it's using this illustrative language to describe Judah. A noble vine. And then look at the third one. Jeremiah 2.23. Jeremiah 2.23. How, can, how canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways. What is a dromedary? Well, it's a camel. It's a camel. It seems to be a fast camel, I guess you could say, right? If I look at it in a different translation, if I look at it in a different translation, it, it reads this way. It reads this way, Jeremiah 2.23. How can you protest? I am not defiled. I have not followed the Baals. Look at your behavior in the valley. Acknowledge what you have done. You are a swift young camel twisting and turning on her ways. What does it mean? Why would God re reference them? Why would God use this kind of figurative language, this illustrative language to describe Judah as a swift camel? What, what do we understand that to mean? And how are you a swift camel? Now, you could think, man, a fast camel, that's got to be, that, that's a compliment. Hey, thank you. I'm a, yes, I'm a fast camel. Is that, is that a compliment? Like, like, what does that mean? And then how does that relate to you? The next one, Jeremiah 2.24, a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure in her occasion, who can turn her away? All they that seek her will not weary themselves. In her month, they shall find her. So a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All they that seek her will not weary themselves. 
In her month, they will find her. Okay. This is a wild donkey. You may want to pay close attention to this one because there's something specifically going on with this wild donkey. And he's referring to Judah as a wild donkey who is, well, you figure it out. We know, first of all, the wild donkey is used to the wilderness, but there's something else going on with this wild donkey. And how does that, how would that describe you? So first, I want you to remember, there, there, he, he uses this figurative, illustrative language. You're backsliding. You're backsliders. How, okay. Figure out what, 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 how are they backsliders? What does God mean about, re, why is he calling them backsliders? Just write out what that means. And then how does that relate to you? Next, a noble vine. What is it? Why is he referring to them as a noble vine? And how does that relate to you? And that noble vine became a degenerate plant. What, what does that mean? Look at the, all the figurative language there. Third, they are a fast camel. What is God? Why is God telling them they're a fast camel? What does that mean? And how are you a fast camel? They are a wild donkey used to the wilderness and, well, something else is going on with the donkey. How does that relate to you? And then next, Jeremiah 2, 26. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets. They're described as a thief. Why is he referring to them in a way like a thief? What does it mean? What, what does he mean that, about being a thief in this way? How, how, what, 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 what is the point God is trying to make and how would that relate to you? The next one, look at Jeremiah 2.30. Jeremiah 2.30. In vain have I smitten your children that receive no correction, your own sword hath devoured of your prophets like a destroying lion, right? A destroying lion. Now, you can do this one a couple of ways. You could talk about, I've smitten your children. They receive no correction. So this could be children who receive no correction. We could put that one down. Or you could put a destroying lion. What, what, what is the destroying lion? So you could put, we could do this a couple of ways. We could put the, what, what does he mean to describe them as children who receive no correction? This one's probably a little easier to understand. And, but how would that relate to you? Are you a child that receives no correction? How was Judah a child that did not receive correction? And the destroying lion. I'm going to go, for me, I want you to focus more on the destroying lion. What, 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 who were the destroying lion and how did that relate to them and how does that relate to you? All right. Then next one, chapter three. Verse one, they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not the land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. The next figurative language, figure of speech, the illustrative language, he refers to them as a harlot. How were they a harlot and how could that be used to describe you? All right, so let's go through these. First, I want you to take some time to consider how you're spiritually benefiting from the book of Jeremiah or not spiritually benefiting, and what can we do to correct that right now? Let me know what we can do to correct it right now, sooner, better than later, and we will make every change that we need to to try to help you spiritually. Second, I need you to read chapters 1 through 12 of the book of Jeremiah by Sunday, June the 18th. That's your, you need to read it, and read it multiple times. I need you to look for the types of, I keep saying figures of speech, figurative language, figure, uh, uh, figurative speech, figurative language, all the different ways I've described it. You know what I'm referring to. Look for the types of figurative language throughout basically chapters one through 12. You can go, you can go past that. You can, because we're going to be doing it for the whole book, but make sure at least one through 12 is done. List the reference and the type of figurative language. Right. And I just gave you all of the, the figurative language. I've given you all of it. Okay. All the different types. Then I want you to look at chapters two through three. And I want you to look at the illustrative language, the figurative language, the figures of speech. I want you to look at it and I want you to see how Judah and Israel is being described. Mainly Judah. I think one of them refers to the house of Israel. Okay. We can get into a whole discussion there, but how basically Judah is being described. They're being described in the following ways. A backslider, noble vine, 
a fast camel, a wild donkey, thief. I'm going to I'm going to call uh destroying lions. That's the way I'm going to look at it or children who receive no correction, but 230. Basically the destroying lion. I want you to understand that. Forgetful maid. Um oh, I didn't think I I I didn't give that one. I'm sorry. 233. Jeremiah 233. Yeah, you may want to write this one down. I apologize. 233. Um, let's see here. Verse 30, verse 32, actually, 232. Can a maid forget her uh, ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. He uses that uh, image of a forgotful, a forgetful woman, a woman who forgets everything. So how are they a forgetful woman and how does that describe you? And then chapter three, verse one, the harlot. So let me give those out again. I apologize that I skipped that one. All right, I'm glad I looked at the notes here. All right, so backsliders, that's 219. A vine, 221. A fast camel, 223. A wild donkey, 224. A thief, 226. I'm going to say a destroying line and 230. You may want to focus on the children who receive no correction. You may want to do both. The forgetful maid, it's like, I think it's actually 231 and not 233 or 232. It's actually 232. And then the harlot, chapter three, verses one through five. I want you to look at that language. And for that, I want you to figure out, okay, why is God using this language? How does it describe Judah? Right? That should take you just a few minutes to figure that out. And then the main thing is, how do do you relate to that image? How do you relate to that illustrative language? How do you relate to these figures of speech? How and maybe it will convict you greatly. You may be like, "Whoa, I'm I'm the fast uh, camel. Whoa, I'm the wild donkey. Wait, I'm the forgetful woman. Wait, I'm I'm the harlot." And and then you can well hopefully benefit from it spiritually. All right. Then one more thing I want you to do. Chapter four. Verse 10, chapter four, verse 10. This one is simple. This one, you're just going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. I want you to read Jeremiah 4.10. Then said I, ah, Lord God, surely thou hast greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem saying, you shall have peace, whereas the sword reacheth unto the soul. Some refer to that as one of the most difficult, troubling, controversial verses in the entire book. I don't know if we can say in the entire book, but does it not raise so many questions? Is Jeremiah now, how do we read these words? Is he frustrated with God going, God, why have you deceived these people? Why? Why? You you could have opened their eyes. Why why did you send false prophets? Is Jeremiah just screaming out his frustration towards God? So we just read it as Jeremiah basically accusing God in a way that's possibly not appropriate. Or do we like, no, 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 Jeremiah is not accusing God. No, because God really has deceived these people. Well, wait a minute. Would God be the one who would deceive someone? Well, he's like, well, no, 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 God would not. Well, wait a minute. God deceived these people because, well, they deserved it because he tried to give them truth and they resisted the truth. And after you resist the truth, then God will deceive you. Okay, well, okay. At what point did they cross the line? And at what point do you cross the line that God will no longer try to send you truth, but send you, well, deception? Like how, like that get, that raises some serious questions. How do we understand Jeremiah 4.10? I just want you to just think about it. Mainly what I want you to do is consider all the possible implications of it. Because I think there's a lot of implications that flow from that verse. I think there are a lot. And I want you to just really meditate, struggle with it. If it bothers you, be willing to admit it. Like, man, that just seems kind of messed up. Because if you think about it, God could have kept the false prophets away, right? He could have. But then at the same time, you say, well, he he sent the false prophets because they resisted, so they weren't going to get truth. But then he sent Jeremiah to them, right? Aren't there more prophets sent to them after Jeremiah? 
So then you can't really say, well, God started deceiving them because he had given them up. They they had gone so far and now he's going to give them up to a strong delusion. Well, wait a minute. He continues to send other prophets to them like Jeremiah. So why would he be sending on one hand false prophets to deceive them? On the other hand, send him a true prophet to try to convince them. That seems counterintuitive. Hey, I want you to see the truth, but I'm going to send you some false prophets. Oh, but I'll send you a good prophet. Well, you say, well, God didn't send the false prophets, but he could have stopped the false prophets, right? I mean, that raises some serious questions. And, and, and I know some people, whenever you do this, they're like, ah, it's not that problem. You just people make it so complicated. No, I think it's, 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 I think it's an honest thing to struggle with. Behind me, back here is another Bible. Um, I think I'm going to see what, how they read it. Uh, they say this. Or here, uh, Jeremiah 4.10. Here's the note in this Bible. This is one of the most controversial verses in Jeremiah. Was Jeremiah accusing God of deceiving the nation? James 1.13 says God does not do that. Scripture is often silent about secondary causes. And since God rules history, uh, even things he merely permits can be attributed to him. And the, pr- and the present case, God allowed false prophets to mislead the nation by saying peace was on the way. Well, okay, well, if God allowed it, yeah, why would he do that? You say, well, the people deserved it. Well, if they deserved that, then why would he send Jeremiah? Because no one's going to listen to Jeremiah. So that doesn't seem like, well, then that heaps guilt upon them. Do they need more guilt? Like, I, I don't know. Like trying to figure that out, I think is somewhat difficult, but I'm not the only one. People throughout church history have struggled with it and everyone's tried to come up with their own answers. And I don't think any of the answers really work logically, but you can struggle with it for yourself. I want you to consider Jeremiah 4.10 in great detail. All right. Now, there's, there's some other things that I could throw in here, but I'm not. So let's just go through these carefully. Here you go. You ready? Here we go. Read chapters 1 through 12 by Sunday, June the 18th. Number two, as you go through those 12 chapters, look for the types of figurative language throughout the book of Jeremiah 1 through 12. List the reference and the type of figurative language. I've gone through all of them again. I'm not going to go through them. I guess I can go through them one more time. Simile, metaphor, idiom, euphemism, irony and sarcasm, hyperbole, maxim, proverb, parable, allegory, and personification. There you go. There's all of them. Look for all of those things, right? Don't worry if you get it wrong. It's okay. It's okay. Right. Next, look at chapters two through three specifically. Look at the illustrative language. Look at the figurative language. Look at the figures of speech that's being utilized, right? And guess what we have here? We have the following. God describing Judah slash Israel, mainly Judah, backsliders, noble vine, fast camel, wild donkey, thief, destroying line or slash children who receive no correction, the forgetful woman, and the harlot. I want you to figure out what, why God is using that language and what, how, what does it mean for the people he's describing? How are they these things? And then I want you to ask, how could you be described in those ways? And then I want you to spend some serious time with Jeremiah 4.10, just thinking, struggling, and trying to figure it out. There is our attempt to get back to the book of Jeremiah. All right, there you have it. I promise Sunday, uh, hopefully Wednesday night, we can advance through some of this. Some of this on Wednesday night, I possibly, if everything works out, we'll work on some of this for you. Um, so hopefully that will be beneficial. And then we can see how far we can get. And then hopefully Sunday we can we can do, uh, well, someone just said thank you. I don't know. I'm not very happy with this episode either. I'm going to delete this one too. So don't say thank you. This will be deleted in just a couple of minutes. Okay, now, so, uh, but no, there you go. Hopefully that was beneficial. Um, there we go. Don't know what else to say. It's gone 48 minutes. <laughs> the goal was I could do this in about 20 minutes, but I wanted to explain everything because the benefit, the, what I want you to take from it is because this is a check up. I really want to check where you are spiritually, but I felt that it was best for me to start with giving kind of a checkup for myself live on the air, just showing once again how 
the privilege, the wonderful opportunity to actually study the words of God and all the spiritual benefit that can be gained from it, how easily circumstances, things happening can completely circumvent that and destroy it and mess it up. And then it becomes just like you're irritated, you're frustrated, you don't even want to do it. And you set it aside because of your circumstances. Or for a preacher, teacher, sometimes the pressure and the obligation and the responsibility of teaching takes away from the benefit and the and, and you don't see it as a meal to partake, a treasure in which to cherish, but a responsibility which you have to accomplish. And once that happens, well, then no spiritual benefit is gained from it. Same thing can happen if you find yourself as an individual looking at Bible more as a legalistic thing you have to do in order to prove that you're saved, something you have to do as a legal, uh, like a legalistic responsibility, then that responsibility will just become something you have to do. And it's a responsibility you have to finish, you have to uh, complete, and you no longer then gain spiritual benefit from it. Because you're just accomplishing the task instead of partaking of the food and cherishing the treasure. It's, it's, it's amazing how many things can impact our spiritual growth. How many things can so derail it, distract it, take from it. How many things can just, in a sense, come sweep down and just take the seed away and just carry it off. And it doesn't take root in us. All right. Email me your thoughts, your concerns, your disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. For any mistakes that I made, I apologize. There you go. I, I'm definitely not going to do this a second time, a third time. All right. This is the second attempt at this episode. I'm still not happy with it, but there's no way I'm doing this a third time. There's no way I'm doing this a third time. So now I'm, 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 I'm second guessing everything that I just did in this episode, but wow, I'm ready for this episode to be done so that we can move forward. So get busy, enjoy the study. And I'm going to check my attitude so that I can get back to enjoying our study in the book of Jeremiah instead of just feeling frustrated about trying to do it, right? So that's what I have to work on. That's where I am spiritually. Where are you? Where are you? You may not understand my, like you're look, you may be looking at my checkup going, this guy's just messed up. And hey, I understand. But look at yourself. You've got your own issues, right? I'm just being honest about mine. So I'm going to check my attitude and see if I can get myself in the right frame of mind so that I can benefit from the book of Jeremiah instead of get frustrated with trying to teach it and help you benefit from it. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.